No reason to fear, right? Amen. The Lord is your God. He's a good shepherd. <laughs> he takes care of his flock. Well, um, I want to remind you of Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We're going to have a great service here, and I invite all of you to come that are listening. Also, I want to remind you of my podcast, Women of Substance. And this Friday, um, you'll notice if you uh, get online, Women of Substance, that you can receive a special interview with um, Tara Webb. And she is a tremendous woman of God. I'm telling you, she's been through some really tough times and just been so blessed of the Lord because she just remained faithful and obedient. And uh, she started her, her own business at a very desperate time in her life. And uh, it has just taken off and grown and grown and grown. And so she tells all about that. Um, and the neat thing about her business is it's cookies. She makes cookies and the best cookies you ever put in your mouth. <laughs> That's what David and I think anyway. So um, her the name of her company is Tangerine and uh, Gourmet Cookies. And it's just wonderful. So be sure uh, Friday and pick that up online or if you're on Facebook, you can find that. And you'll really be blessed for uh, for that woman of substance. All right, babe, you ready? Ready. I love you. (laughs) Ready. I love you more. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Expecting great things from these teachings and all the people that watch and listen online, and Brother Jerry, you're going to have to turn me down a little bit. I'm going to peel the paint off the walls. All right. Well, Father, we thank you tonight for the word. Thank you for an anointing on the teaching, and that it may go forth even beyond these four walls into the earth, through the uh, internet, and Lord, we thank you that... um, we just see great progress and success for this place. And we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would uh, open your Bibles tonight to Galatians uh, chapter 5. We're going to kind of hop around here, not in, the, uh, not in the order that you would think, because we've got scriptures in the three books of Paul's writings. But uh, we're going to. There's a reason that I'm doing it the way I'm doing it, all right? There's a method to my madness. All right. So if you'll look at Galatians 5, 1, we're going to talk tonight about standing in faith, standing against the devil, standing against negative circumstances. And the Bible uses this word a lot about standing, what we're going to stand in. Amen. And... uh, so there's something about that that is strong and something that we need to have. Amen. Standing uh, uh, on, we sing that old song, standing on the promises. And uh, that means that no matter what comes, we're going to stick to the word. We're going to say what the word says. And even though everything around us looks like that it's not working, you know, uh, I've always said it takes just uh, the same amount of breath to say it is working as to say it's not working. And uh, a lot of people want to say, Pastor, it's not working. I've, I've, I've been confessing. I've been praying. 
I've been standing in faith, and it's just not working. The Bible encourages us to stand no matter what. Amen? So we're just going to look at a few verses tonight of what it means to stand on the word. What what does that mean? A lot of people, if you said that to them, even Christians, even full gospel, even Pentecostal, charismatic people, if you said you need to stand on the word, some of them, depending on where they go to church, what they listen to, they wouldn't have a clue what you just said. Uh, It would be like, well, that sounds good, but I don't know really how to do that. So hopefully tonight I can give you some practical things on just how to do that. Amen. And uh, what does that mean? So anyway, let's just get into the words right now. Uh, Galatians 5, 1 says, uh, give up and throw in the towel. Is that what it says? <laughs> no, stand fast. Stand fast means that you just don't move. You just, you just move. You don't move. Amen. We sang that old song too. I, I shall not be moved. Amen. I will not be moved. I, like a tree. Planted by the rivers of living water, I shall not be moved. I'm going to stand and not be moved. Now, Brother Hagan used to confess. He'd say, I'm not moved by circumstances. I'm not moved by negative reports. I'm not moved by how I feel. I'm not moved by what I think, even. I'm not moved by what I see or what I hear. I'm all moved only by the Word of God. And so... uh We're going to be, and we are, those trees planted by the rivers of living water. We sang that just a minute ago. I've got a river of life flowing out from me. And so I'm standing like a mighty oak. You ever seen an oak by a a farm pond or uh, maybe like a weeping willow tree, a big tree by a farm pond or by a lake? And boy, those trunks can be huge and those those roots are always in nice, moist soil and being fed and nourished. And that tree is just almost impossible to move. Uh, storms may come and things may come against it, even insects or whatever. And that tree just stands there. Amen. And, uh, uh, we've seen trees in California. Uh, the mighty sequoias and redwoods are so wide you can drive a car through them. And uh, so, and even hollowing it out, it still stands. And so these are the kind of trees we want to be. We want to just be like a mighty oak that we don't, we don't bow, we don't bend, we don't burn, we don't fall over, and uh, we make it through. The storms of life are going to come. I got news for you. A lot of people thought, I think, when the when the faith message was. It's new, kind of. It's never really new, but I mean new for our generation. Uh, and fresh, we could say. Maybe not new. New is not a good word, but fresh. Uh, news to some people, news to me, it certainly was. But um, the, when that faith message come, came and you heard about God's will and God wants to bless you and not curse you and that kind of thing, uh, actually after that, you got a hold of a little of it and then the storms of life would come anyway, and you thought you were doing something wrong. Well, I must be doing something wrong because this isn't God's will. I must be missing it somehow, somewhere, some way, somehow. But thank God we found out that there's only two times that uh, you will be attacked and bad things can happen. It's when you're out of the will of God and when you're in the will of God. 
that's the only two times that you can expect sometimes a <laughs> storm. But how many's ever been just sitting here in Florida and all of the, the sun is shining like right now and then uh, in, in 20 minutes it's black clouds and the wind's blowing and your patio furniture's falling over and, and, uh, you, you know, you're, you're in a fight. It feels like for your life. And that's the way life can be, can it? If all you feel, you think everything's hunky dory and then all of a sudden here comes a storm. And, uh, so God's giving us the ability here tonight through the word to stand in spite of it all. Amen. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, the yoke of bondage there is the law. It is not talking about sin. A lot of people think, well, the yoke of bondage is sin. Well, you certainly don't want to be entangled with that either. But specifically, Paul is talking here about the the law and not having a relationship with the law, which is spiritual adultery. He said, you throw out the bondwoman and her son. Amen. And so you don't want to be going back and forth to the concubine. <laughs> it's what Paul is saying there. It's pretty explicit, but, uh, that's what he's, that's what he say, says. If you look back up in, in chapter four and verse 30, he says, Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman, the free woman. So we want to, we, uh, we are not, he says, so then brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. So he's obviously talking about the law, and when he says, be not entangled with the yoke of bondage. Amen? Now why is being entangled with the law bad? Well, because he says, we won't turn there, but if you know the scripture, you attend this church, you know this scripture pretty good. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. But before that, he says that anybody who wants to be, try to be uh, righteous or justified by the works of the law is bound to do the whole law. And the problem with that is, is, is you're already a failure because you don't just get judged on the one thing you might have missed it on. You get judged on the whole thing. So I like to reckon it like this or tell it like this. It's like having a traffic violation. You know, maybe you ran, ran, thought you was running the yellow light, but you actually ran the red light or whatever, and you get a ticket. You go in and talk to the judge about it. Say, well, you know, I, I thought it was just the yellow light. It shouldn't run that either, but. You know, I just was trying to get out of the intersection. And so he says, yeah, so you're pleading guilty. I'm guilty to running the red light. Well, you're also guilty of treason, uh, capital murder, rape, uh, breaking an entry, uh, sedition. I mean, they named the worst crimes that's on the, in the legal code. And you go, no, 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 wait a minute. I, I didn't do all that. All I did is run the red light on 19 here. Well, that's the way that Moses' law works. If you're guilty of one, you're guilty of the whole thing. So everybody that wants to be a lawmonger, let us know how good, how that goes for you. Because you can't be the curse is, we've, we've always thought of the curse being, uh, sin, sickness, and poverty, but actually those are just, um, fallout from the curse. It's kind of like, 
This is what the curse brings. The curse itself is trying to be justified through a system that's impossible. It's like what they, the Nazis put over the gates of Auschwitz, the, the concentration death camp, said uh, in German, work makes free, which was a lie. That was the, what was the cruelest thing on that property? It was that. It was that mind control of telling people, if you work hard enough, you'll get out of here. And that's what Moses' law says, is work makes free. If you work enough, you'll finally, you know, reach this place of, of justification with the Lord. But you can't be justified by it. Paul said it clearly in Galatians 2. He said, no man is justified by the works of the law. Amen? So is the law, again, Paul said is in Romans, he said, is the law evil? Is it something bad? He said, no, but it has a purpose. And it's to bring us to the foot of the cross to say, I can't save myself. I need the blood of Jesus to be saved. Amen? End of story. Now, that's really the grace message. And then people get all up in arms, and you're giving people a license to sin and all this. And I always say, well, you people don't need a license to sin. They'll sin without a license. Uh, <laughs> they'll drive without a license. They'll fish without a license. They'll uh, make and sell liquor without a license. So forget the license business and just go with the word. Amen. And, and quit being religious. Because if it's possible. All right. So praise God. I just got myself in hot water again there. But uh, it's the truth anyway. Paul said to not be entangled with the law. So we're going to stand. Here's, here's one standing that's, that's a foundational thought. I'm going to stand in the liberty which Christ has made me free. I'm standing on the promises. I'm standing on the finished work of the cross. And, you know, we just sang, again, these songs that we pick are not just random. Oh, that's pretty. Let's sing that. Well, tie a yellow ribbon is pretty, but we don't exactly sing that to the Lord. So, you know, uh, just because a song is pretty, a lot of people get confused on what music's about in the church. And they, well, I like the beat of this, or I like this. Grandma always cried, blew her nose when we sang this one. Well, fine, but that doesn't mean that it's the word, amen, and it, it, and we need to sing things that reinforce our faith, hallelujah, and would bring some glory to God as well. But, um, you know, for example, that song we just sang, Lord, uh, I need you, my my righteousness is my only defense, my one defense, my righteousness, amen? That's what this is saying. Now, so the devil, the only way that the devil has ever been able to bring sickness Lack, poverty, failure, fear, uh, disaster. In some way, the thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10 says that. The only way he's ever been able to really run over anybody is to, I mean, permanently, he attacks everyone, but to try to just permanently set up a stronghold or a camp inside your life, he's got to convince you that what Jesus did was not enough. And so the defense line 
How many know if you're going to be in a battle, you need to defend, you know, they just offense, you need to defend yourself as well. That's why the Bible says that one of our defensive armors uh, is the shield of faith. Amen? What's that faith based in? Oh, I just, uh-oh. Just hoping and praying, holding my breath, crossing my fingers, rubbing my rabbit's foot. Well, you know, it's just absolutely, there's no strength in that. So we're not talking about good luck and cross your fingers and uh, here's a daisy and a lollipop. We're talking about real spiritual authority. Folks, these things that come against us is, is warfare. It's the devil. See, don't get all weird about it. And Well, I don't know. No, it is, you do know, and it's the devil, and he's defeated. And he knows he's defeated. He's hoping you don't know he's defeated. Is this helping anybody? I, it's my intention, through my teaching, to, uh, yes, we want to be compassionate and loving and, and sympathetic even and empathetic, but we also want to build strong believers. Can you say amen? And so, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, when you send the little kid off to school, you know, it's sweet for the mama to kiss him on the head and put a cookie in his lunch pail, but he also needs to learn how to defend himself. And, and you know, if he comes home with a black eye about every third day, you're going to have to teach him how to stand up for himself. Otherwise, you say, well, no, I just love this child, and he's so sweet and loving, I just don't want to see anything happen. Well, it's going to happen, so you better teach him how to stand up for himself. Amen? and not be run over. We're not talking about getting involved in fights or picking fights, but we are talking about defending yourself, defending some boundaries of what's right. Correct? So that's Christianity to me. A lot of people don't like word of faith church type churches because we teach like this. But I think that it's the greatest thing ever to know that you don't have to be run over. Your testimony doesn't have to be, here I wander like a beggar through the heat and through the cold. That's not God. Does that sound like an heir of God or a joint heir of Jesus Christ? And yet people will sing it and they'll raise their hand and shed a tear and blow snot and everything else over that. And yet, uh, you know, it's not, it's not helping you to be an overcomer. So we're not trying to overcome. We are overcomers. We're more than conquerors. He's made us to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. Is that worth coming out for Wednesday night here? And uh, so you can see here, I've embellished it obviously, but you can see here that we're encouraged by Paul in the word, by the Holy Spirit. I believe it's all inspired, don't you? To stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. So you stand, what does that mean? People say, well, that means I can stand, if I'm committing and living in sin, then that's fine, I'm just going to stand in that liberty. That has, That is ridiculous. That is not what Paul is saying. But he's saying that you're standing on the fact that you're righteous, you're redeemed, the price has been paid for you, and you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Amen? All right, now let's look at a few more scriptures about 
understanding, look at Ephesians 6. Of course, you know, that's the famous verses regarding uh, our spiritual armor, but a lot is said there about standing as well. Ephesians 6, and let's look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What are you going to be strong in? My, you know, I'm from a good Scandinavian family or, you know, something. We were the Vikings. I don't know. You know, people try to make it like natural. Well, there may be some truth to that, but that's not what this is talking about again. It's not talking about your what is it, mydna.com or something. It's not talking about that or your heritage or what state you're from or we're Hoosiers or we're from Missouri or, you know, that's just not talking about that, all right? It's talking about being strong in the Lord. So the tiniest little person that looks like a good wind to blow them over can be mighty in God. Amen. This is not talking about bodybuilding. Or some other crazy thing. Um, this is talking about being strong in the Lord, being strong in faith, being strong in authority. Be strong. Amen. Well, to be strong, it physically, you have to build yourself up, right? You have to eat nutritionally. You would have to, if you're going to have big muscles or strong, a strong body, be able to lift heavy things or to be strong. You would have to exercise, wouldn't you? You would have to put some effort into it. Probably go to a gym and get a trainer and work and try to get stronger. Well, that's a parallel. There is a truth there in spiritual things, too. If you're going to be strong in the Lord, you need to eat the right things. Amen? So that's why I feed on the Word. And if you read other Christian materials, make sure that it's Word-based. And that it's got a lot of faith in it. You know. Don't read a lot of stories about how somebody failed and they finally accepted it as God's will. That is not going to help you. And there's plenty of that out there. I used to say Christian bookstores should have a warning label on the outside that says, Warning, not all material in here is Bible-based. And could be hazardous to your faith. Proceed with caution. Sign a liability waiver here. Like, you know, cigarettes have a warning label on it. You know, this could cause a health problem. Well, uh, we need some books with a warning that this book could be hazardous to your health. Anyway, not this book, but the book, you know, a book. Well, if it's Christian, that the Lord loves us. That is not true. Uh, and what constitutes it being Christian anyway? You know, it would only be if it exalts Christ and lifts up his finished work. Otherwise, it's anti-Christ, really, to be honest. And just because it's got a butterfly and a, you know, a mountain scene on the cover doesn't make it the word. Amen? All right. I'll get off my soapbox, get back to the scripture. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. So our strength is going to be in the Lord, and we can be strong in the Lord even when we're physically weak, even when we feel financially not as strong as we want to be, or where we want to be in life, we can be strong in the Lord. 
Amen. And in the power of our effort. Is that what it says? No, of his might. How many believe God is mighty? How many believe Jesus is mighty? The word is mighty. Amen. Mighty to save. Mighty to heal. Mighty to provide. All right. So we're going to put on the whole armor here in verse 11. We're going to put on the whole armor of God. And here comes this word again about standing. But you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So that means that if you're going to stand against the wiles, I think, uh, let's put that up in the Amplified, classic Amplified. Uh, you may be successfully to stand up against all the strategies. I, I like that, that I don't like the strategies. I'm just saying I like it that it explains it like that. Against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. And that's interesting there that, that, um, these amplified people that did this Bible, um, translated that deceit because it is deception. The deception is the devil wants you to believe that he's as, at least equally as strong as God. And if not, at least more strong than you. And stronger than me. And he's not. According to scripture, he's under our feet. And he was defeated from the cross to the throne in that process there. I don't know exactly what time of night that Jesus hit hope, left and went to hell and then came back out. And I don't know that, but I do know that in that three day period between dying on the cross you know, suffering what he suffered on the cross and then raising from the dead that he was, a, and then finally, you know, the, the days after he finally went and ascended. But that whole process of from the cross to the throne, and if you've never read E.W. Kenyon's or studied his book, From the Cross to the Throne, you should get it. And you should, you should read it because it will help you to see that whole process and why. Amen? The Bible says that Jesus led captivity captive. In other words, the, he, he, uh, and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. And again, we have this, because of the time frame that this all happened in the time of the writing, the illustration is, is, uh, the Roman army. And what they would do when they defeated somebody is they would strip everyone that's in that that lived to tell it, you know, the, the, the ones that were taken captive, they were stripped, uh, naked, walked through the streets in humiliation from the king and the general on down to the lowest and tied together and everybody jeered and mocked them and spit at them and whatever before they were dragged into the circus maximus and, uh, Destroyed. So that was the illustration that, that the, the scripture uses, Paul expressly, about, uh, leading the defeated devil and his foes out openly so that we could see that he's defeated. Amen. Now the devil, that word deceit is interesting because, um, again, here we have schemes, strategies, deceit for the devil. So he, he uses, he uses circumstances and situations 
to try to deceive us into believing that he's not been stripped, that he does have the authority and power to run us over and to destroy us. But praise God, Jesus said uh, uh, on the other side, you know, I, uh, the, if the thief comes up or still kill and destroy, Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundant. So life prevails. Does that mean that nothing, uh, you know, disturbing or disturbing of your peace is going to happen in this life? Well, that would be unreasonable to expect that and lead you to, you know, living in some kind of la-la land. Well, faith is not la-la land. Hollywood is la-la land, but not faith. Faith is not it's not Hollywood. <laughs> That's the truth. But faith is not, you know, la-la land, like I said, lollipops and daisies. It's the Bible describes our life in faith as a warfare. It's not the only thing it describes it as, but it is one aspect of it is a warfare. And I have found that the main battlefield of the warfare is between our two ears. It's in our mind. I didn't say you made it up. I'm just saying that's where the attack is. Right? Brother Hagin said one time, and I think people can testify to this, that he said the problem with sickness and disease is that sometimes, it's not the only problem, but one problem with sickness and disease is that sometimes the mental torment is worse than the actual physical, especially nowadays because they can give you medicine for pain and they can kind of control some of the symptoms that's happening even on a life-threatening diagnosis, right? They can make people comfortable, but uh, it's not so much the physical suffering often that is so devastating. It's what is going on in the mind. And so that's why we need to do what I'm preaching. <laughs> Amen? So um, and I'm just trying to encourage you tonight to be strong in the Lord and in His power and His might. And on your talking to talk more often, what we say in the South, talking. We, don't, we leave the G off, I guess. But on our talking, <laughs> there, I can speak to King's English. On our talking and our conversation and our confession, we need to talk more about the power of the Lord and strength than we do the weakness and the problem that we're having. All right. Now, uh, the Bible tells us our problem here is verse 12, for our, our challenge. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. I'm not really going to teach tonight per se, on the armor of God. We've done that before, and we'll do it again, but not right now. Try to make a point about standing. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand or stand in the evil day. How many believe we're in the evil day? And having done all to stand, 
hang by a thread and see what happens. Hope for the best. Hold your breath. Cross your fingers. Rub your rabbit's foot. No. Stand, therefore, having done all to stand, stand, therefore. In other words, you just keep standing. You just keep standing. You say, well, I feel like I've been knocked down. Well, get up! I had one of those daddies that if I fell off the bike, he'd make me get back on it. My knees would be, my knees would be bleeding and my elbows would be bleeding and my mama's coming out with the mercurophone <laughs> to put on it. And I'm crying. And my daddy's saying, you just gotta get back on it now. You're, you're gonna let this bike beat you. Well, I'm, you know, crying. I hate that bike. I'm never getting on it. Yeah, you are. Now you're getting on it. Now get on it, you know. And it was the same riding my horse. I had a little pet horse, a pony. And, uh, you know, that horse wasn't sure he wanted me on him. His name was Joker. And when Joker, you know, got a little aggravated, he'd just kind of buck up in the air and David goes flying off and lands on his butt here. You know, that's a butt, by the way. It's not a bad word, English, buttocks. Everybody has one. So, you know, I just, I'd fall on my backside. That sounds nicer, doesn't it? And, uh, and, uh, I'm mad at the horse and I'm a little, my feelings are hurt and I'm embarrassed. And my daddy, again, standing there going, now, David, you just got to get back up, get on that horse, show that horse who's boss. I'm thinking, I think the horse is boss. The horse is bigger than me and kind of bossy. My dad said, no, you're going to show that horse you're in charge. Well, you know what? I finally did. I could ride that horse pretty good after a while. Amen. So, uh, having done all the stand, stand, stand there for. Amen. Having done all the stand, stand. So, does that help you tonight? I mean, you know, this is what we're going to do. And, and, uh, Say, well, I, I got knocked off. Well, get up. Well, my knee's bleeding. Well, put me pure chrome on it and a band-aid and get back up there. Amen. How many know what I mean here by some of this? And, uh, you know, it's how we get through school, isn't it? We might, let's say we have a, not do so well on a test and, Come home and we're upset and our parents are mad that, you know, we got a bad grade. But the encouragement is, well, just come on. We'll go over these math tables again and we'll study and we'll get it. Next time you'll get, you'll get a, a B or an A or something. You know, you just keep at it. Amen. And, and, and when it comes to the things of God, folks just sometimes just don't want to do that. They just want to say, well, you know, taste the rock, the rock. Whatever will be, you know, it's just up to the Lord. It's, it's really, it's this lazy faith, to be honest, because you have authority and you can put your foot down on some things. Well, it ain't over till it's over. Hillary Clinton said, "It ain't over till the lady in the pantsuit says it." Anyway, but uh, that's what she said. That's why she didn't want to say it was over. (laughs) 
get off of that. That's really dangerous ground. Um, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and then he goes, you know, through the list there, which we won't do, um, for, to save a little time tonight. But he's got all these, all these, um, pieces of armor, which I never get tired of reading about and preaching about and hearing about. How about you? Uh, he says, finally, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So, that word is important too, perseverance. How many can see how perseverance goes with standing? You ever had to stand in line at an airport or something and you think, I'm just really tired of standing. I just wish we didn't have to stand anymore. But you know you have to. So you do it. Well, this is the way it works with faith. This is the way it works with standing on the promises. We love to sing that. But when it comes to really doing it, it sometimes gets tiresome. But don't grow weary in faith. Amen. The Bible says you'll inherit the promises if you thank God. And so we can feel faint. It doesn't mean you can't take a rest. You don't have to have machine gun confession going. Say, uh, you know, one guy that I do appreciate, but he fought at a certain place. Uh, and uh, he said he had people in the healing class confessing their healing scriptures 350 times a day. Well, I got in there and I said, what on earth has happened to the healing class? You know, it always had a lot of faith about it. It seemed like screwed down to the ground, you know. And I, they said, well, we've got to get out our confession sheets and say them. It was like draconian, you know. I mean, it was like, it was like, Concentration camp, um, legalistic, it's not very legalistic, but anytime you take and make the word of God legalistic and, and, and fundamentalist and, and you see what I'm saying? Like almost like a cult chanting thing. You're out of, you're not in faith land anymore. You're somewhere else. The intention may be good, but the end product is not so good. Enough. Amen. So you don't have to feel like don't let fear grip you. You don't have to feel like I've got to confess the scripture all night long, every night, or, or the devil's going to eat me up. And there's a lot of people, Pastor Charlotte, that kind of have that attitude. About uh, I won't tell stories. I know horror stories about that. People in hospitals, and uh, just a little touch of that, that they would send in, you know, the prayer teams and the faith teams. And the confession teams, and they wouldn't even let the person rest from major surgeries because they they're trying to lead them in these confessions. That's extreme, and that's weird. And you should get your cross and garlic out anytime you're involved with something like that. The joke. Did I tell what I said? I, I was preaching at a place one time, and I said, uh, you know, cloth and garlic, and they didn't quite get it, you know, to get vampires. And I said, uh, and we we have a hammer and stake in the trunk of the car in case things get really out of hand. And I, I, I started to say, 
in case we need to do an, and I meant to say exorcism, but I said circumcision. And everybody just cringed. I said, well, I guess a stake and a hammer wouldn't be a good way to do a circumcision. That was one of my big bloopers. Now you know. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Praise God. Romans 6. John died. Circling the airport, about ready to land this thing. You getting anything out of it? Greater is he that sent us than he that's in the world. Greater. That means bigger and better. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Praise God. That, I, I need to hear this if you don't. Romans 6, 6. Now, this doesn't exactly talk about standing. But here's an area that I think that we need to stand in. And Pastor Scarlett preached on this recently. But I want you to see this. Romans 6, of course, you know, the whole thing is, is perfect from the beginning. But you look at verse 6, just where we just dig in. Knowing this, this is something we need to know. Now, when the Bible says no, it doesn't mean that you just have it filed away from it. The Bible says no, it means experientially no. And it's the same word that's being used in, like, for example, the Bible says that Adam knew the new Eve. It meant they were physically, intimately involved. All right? So to know something means that we are intimately involved with this concept. That's good, isn't it? Not just some head knowledge, but we have this down on the inside of us. That's how I'm reading it as well. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Praise God. That old nature, the way you used to be, the way you thought, and, and maybe you were easily offended, or you were the one doing the offending. <laughs> Either way, we find on both sides of that, haven't we, all of us. But it says that that old man is crucified with Christ. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So a person who says, well, I'm under grace and I'm free, and they're living in open sin in some way, they're not free. They're serving sin. Without a lot of shouting on that. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Praise God, we're dead to sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, this is why we need to be righteousness conscious, not sin conscious. And so many churches and services and the teaching and the preaching and the singing and everything is, is towards being sin conscious. Don't you feel bad about it? Don't you want to repent all the time and carry on? But here, I'd rather rejoice in the fact that I'm dead to sin. I'm free from it. Woo! John died. All right. He that is dead is freed from sin. 
Now, if we be dead with Christ, we're getting to something here that's really wonderful. If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with it. So we're dead to sin, alive to Jesus, alive to Christ. Knowing, experientially knowing, that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. So, you know, the Holy Spirit will not help you overcome what Christ has already overcome for you. That's why these people that you stand up in church and pray, y'all pray I make it to Sunday and not sin. Well, I'm not praying that because you need to know that you're, are you saved, you know, Bobby or whoever's saying that, are you saved? Well, yeah, I'm I've asked Jesus into my heart. Well, then according to scripture, death hath no more dominion over you. So I'm not going to pray for you to be delivered from something that does not have the power to overcome you because you're already dead to it. That's like going to the cemetery and having a healing service. Well, you wouldn't exactly go in the cemetery and pray against illness or accidents to those people. Why? Because they're dead. You understand? They're dead and they and they can't be attacked anymore. Nothing to, that would be ridiculous. If you if someone caught you doing that. You might get Baker acted. All right? Just saying. So, you know, like you're a crazy person in the cemetery. And yet in church, we go crazy. We lose our mind. I told you there's an imaginary basket out in front of the church door that when people come in here many times, not particularly here per se, but figuratively speaking, they come into a church building. And they take their, they open the lid and take their brain out and put it in the basket. And walk in brainless, like brainless wonder. And say all kinds of stuff that has nothing to do with Jesus. Alright? Where are we? Nine. God help me. Uh, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, he's not still dying. That's why we don't particularly like crucifixes. You got a dead Christ up there, but he's not the dead Christ anymore. He's risen, and he dieth no more. Death, that, I didn't make this up. If you don't like it, write Paul a letter. Complaint department. This doesn't fit my narrative for religion. I'm sorry. This is what it says, amen? Death hath no more. How much? No more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Praise God. Likewise, you, understood subject you, reckon ye also yourselves, to be dead indeed unto sin. Reckon it. You understand what that means? Like, decide on it. Proclaim it. Declare it. Believe it. Think it. Live it. Act it. Amen. 
I'm dead unto sin. Or y'all pray I won't be tempted. How would you pray that with this here? Guess what? If you think wrong, you will be tempted. I can't pray against that. That's ridiculous. Some folks think because they thought up some weird prayer that the pastor is obligated to pray it, whether it's scriptural or not. But I'm not going to pray some prayer that's just wild hair out of nowhere. In fact, you can put up negative spiritual energy, so to speak. That sounds kind of new age, doesn't it? But anyway, negative spiritual, I don't know, stuff by praying in doubt and unbelief and fear. And you, you, you engage the dark side with that. And before you know it, you've got a problem. Pray according to the word. Some people, the whole premise of their prayer is off. So somebody can would you pray I won't be tempted? Every time I go to the 7-Eleven, I just want to go to the magazine rack and look at something dirty. Well, you know, I'm not going to pray that. You need to start confessing that you, that, that, that sin and temptation has no more dominion over you. I'm dead to that. Amen. So don't raise the devil from the dead inside of you. <laughs> Keep him dead. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Witch old witch, the wicked witch. Amen. Him that he died, he died in the sin once and he lived with Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed in the sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm only tempted to praise the Lord. I'm only tempted to, to do things that are pleasing in his sight. Let not sin, you let not. Let's say, pray to the Lord that he won't do this. He's already done it. What more could he do? There's an old song from the Church of God in Christ, you know, uh, that says, what more could he do? He laid the foundation, opened up the way. What more could he do? Should he, should he have had his head cut off or that of help? Arms and legs removed? What? What did he not do? Well, Lord, I just ask you to do this for me. He's already done it! Sometimes we need a big stop sign at the altar rail. You know, listen to some people pray. You stick it right in their face. Stop. Please back away from the altar. Okay. Sorry. I have a vivid imagination. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead. Understand alignment. Sit, let not sin. Then, because you tell sin you're dead to me, you're dead to me. Pastor Scarlett did such a good job on this Sunday. I don't know why I'm trying to follow up, but it just kind of is coming out. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. So I don't have to obey lust. Well, I don't know. Just, this is a weakness. In the name of Jesus, never say that again. But I'm just being honest. No, you're not. You're lying. You're, you're, according to the word of God, you're speaking lies. Well, this is just the way I feel. Well, let's just kick you in the shin and see how that feels. 
that he will distract you from your lust by causing pain in your knee. Okay. Neither yield. You know what it means to yield? Like you give way. You, you make way and give way, right? You yield on traffic. You let the person that you're yielding to go before you. Don't do that. Neither yield ye your members, that's body parts. Do I need to draw a diagram for you? Okay. As instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. We're not yielding to sin, temptation, lust. What I feel like doing, if it, if it feels good, do it, became the mantra of the 70s. And, and it's terrible. It leads people down the wrong path. If it feels good, do it is not in the word. <laughs> Amen. Yield yourself. I sound like Fred Price, don't I? There's no word, no word, no word. But it is the word, isn't it? It's either the word or the world. There's just no, there's no middle ground, I don't think. Because if you're in middle ground, you've already fallen out. You're already lost. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members, that's body parts, as instruments of righteousness unto God. I want to use even my physical body every part of my body as uh, an instrument of righteousness unto the Lord. Can you say amen? Isn't that beautiful? Bring glory to him. I can bring glory to him or I can bring shame. And I don't want to bring shame. Well, how do you overcome it, brother? They have whole men's conferences where, where they talk about this, you know. The, the one thing that men can't overcome is lust. That helps the halter calls it. And I'm thinking, if y'all would just stop and have a Bible study and walk in the words, you wouldn't have to have so many cast out the lust conferences. Which doesn't work anyway. Sorry. Because then some of the people that put on the conference, you find out they had some horrible affair or whatever. So like, well, that ain't going too well now, is it? I'm just saying. Look, you have And he says, for sin, this, this is the end here. Uh, I'm, oh my goodness, I went seven minutes over. For sin, don't report me to anybody. For sin shall not have dominion over you. It shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Praise God. I don't know about you, I feel so set free right now that I am not a servant to sin. Sin's not reigning, having dominion. And if, if sin's not reigning, neither is sickness, neither is poverty, neither is failure, neither is depression and oppression and fear and darkness. Praise God. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. You know, amen. And he, the Bible says, he that is free is free indeed. I mean, it's just, it's no, in other words, there's just no question about it. Amen. So you need to tell the devil this, because he'll try to get you to make way for pain and suffering 
And well, guess at our age, we just can't confess whatever. Don't confess things like that. You know, as long as whatever longest day you live on the earth, you you are righteous. And you're strong in the Lord. Well, I got this problem and that problem. All right, so let's just all line up and share problems. Does that ever change anything? Well, I just feel good. I just got it off my chest. Well, thank you. Now I'm wearing it. Please leave it on your chest. I don't know. You have a key to that chest. You can just lock it up. I don't know. But I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, a lot of times our venting is at the expense of our faith. And, uh, well, that slaps Dave Horton right in the face. But I'm just saying, you know, because I'm kind of a venter. something that I don't like. Oh, you know, they start, you know, barking like Blanche. But, uh. You don't look at me in that tone. Some of you are venters also. Not like winemakers. V-I-N-T-E-R-S. English is tricky, isn't it? V-E-N-T-E-R-S. Venters. We're venters. Oh, I'm just venting. I'm just letting off steam. Well, you know, you know what? Grace allows for that. Praise God. Don't have to get under condemnation because you're human. But I'll tell you what, at some point we gotta stop venting and start confessing the word over that situation and saying what the Bible says about it and saying this is my declaration. Amen. Alright, that's enough preaching. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and thank God for the word tonight. Thank him for his goodness, his grace, his mercy, and freedom. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good weekend and week, and be blessed.